Good morning, Vietnam. Key Biscayne, Florida. We're here at Blink Radio WSQF. We're here to discuss the fall and of the Democratic Party. By the end of 2016, there will not be a Democratic Party as we know it. It'll be a party of slaves, machinists, serfs, and union bosses, corporatists, statists, socialists. I know that most people believe that uh, us Republicans think that uh, the Democratic Party is a communist party or socialist party. Well, I'm sure some do. But the truth is, we know that socialists, statists, communists are all welcomed in the Democratic Party. They're just not welcomed in the Republican Party. I mean, we have some rhinos, you know, Republicans in name only. We agree that uh, sometimes they're as bad as uh, the average liberal. There's a lot of people who just believe that mainstream Republicanism is the Democratic Party or a mirror of the Independent Party. I believe it's just those that are naturally indecisive and obsessed with clarity that to do these things. That's what they call mainstream. You really don't uh, want to be positioned, pigeonholed, labeled. You want to stand for very little. You want to be uh, elitist, open-minded, and uh, that's how you sell yourself. You sell yourself with, you know, I vote for the character. I vote for the personality of the person. I vote for those who I think can get the job done. B.S. You know what I mean? If you're conservative, there's no such thing as a moderate conservative. You know what I mean? I mean, <coughs> please. Moderate conservative? Either you're conservative or you're not. So let's get to the, the end of the year, 2014. It was definitely a year for the progressive virus. It was in full display, all the lies that have been occurring over 100 years in this country. It's all come to climax, all come to fruition with the presidency of Barack Obama. Barack Obama is the bummer. Barack Obama, he's ruining the Democratic Party by basically uh, lifting the sheets, you know, so you can smell all the flatulations from the night before, and you lift the sheets in the morning, and oh my God, the accumulative effect is daunting. It's probably better than a cold shower. So I'd like to emphasize, <coughs> excuse me, let me clear my throat because it's full of a lot of, uh, you know, manure from the, from the weekend and from the travesty that... Uh, is happening in the Gotham City of New York where liberals vote for this Mayor de Blasio. I'd like to tell you a little bit about de Blasio. He was born William Wilhelm Jr. on May the 8th, 1961. He first changed his name to a hyphenated Warren de Blasio Wilhelm, adding his mother's mating name. In 2002, he dropped Warren and the Wilhelm, and changed his name to what is known today as Bill de Blasio. Kind of reminds me of the story of uh, Bill Clinton. His name, Clinton, which is now in the history books as president, was not his birth name. Well, Bill de, As uh, Bill de Asio, I mean, Bill de Blasio, 
was the campaign manager for Hillary Clinton's campaign for Senate in 2000. He was a fervent supporter of Marxist Sandinista government in Nicaragua in the 1980s, which hits home to me personally because my family was very involved in uh, funding the Contra revolution out of Miami. We were sons of Cuban exiles. My father was a Cuban exile. So we were ardent supporters of supporting financially the Contras in Nicaragua. You know, I was a young teen at the time watching my father do this, and uh, quite frankly, well, I was very proud of the moment. I, I said so in my um, uh, Rest in Peace Paid in Full was the title of the obituary I wrote. De Blasio became another confused liberal, another liberal with uh, an identity, and he was enamored by the communist Soviet Union as he visited there in 1983. His first job in 1984 was with the New York Department of Juvenile Justice. Bill de Blasio received a master's degree in international and public affairs at Columbia University, which you know is his left-wing university as all the others, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, you know. It's like the nerve center of the progressive movement, and together they formulated something that I called the progressive virus, like a computer virus that embeds itself in, in the higher education and everybody who graduates basically is condemned to this theory and philosophy that the world is fair, it should be fair, and the world is equal and should be equal as if you know we're not inhabited by an unfair planet simply because some geographic terrain has a propensity for earthquakes, others don't. Some have a lot of rain, others don't. Uh, some some parts of the world suffer such blistering cold that you pretty much can't get anything done. And same with the human race. Some people are born with disabilities. Some people are born uh, missing limbs, uh, eyeballs. Some families suffer uh, depression, chemical depression, uh, propensity for alcoholism. And, you know, these are in the gene pool. So life is not fair and the human race is not equal. It's just... Not so. So to think that you can expand central government, status behavior is going to solve the problem, it's not. All it does is create more division, more inequality, more unfair circumstances that have now become quantum affected by large government. So now you got to clean up the government, clean up the bureaucracy, unemploy a bunch of people, uh, devastating consequences to the economy because it was artificial to begin with. You know, you just it gets it becomes two problems. So you got to fix the inequity, fix the unfairness, and on top of that, fix government. So it's like, you know, putting way too much on your plate. What happens is you get full, and then the, the people who can actually pull this off usually get tired of the the riffraff and the opinions and and all these disingenuous comments of um, analyzing your motivations. And in the end, you just uh, get recruited by someone who thinks clearly, who sees what you're all about, and usually it's for higher pay, and you leave your mission unfinished, basically unfinished business. So that leads me, as a perfect segue, to unfinished business in New, in New Jersey. In Newark, New Jersey, it's infamous for its devastatingly low graduation rates, devastatingly low illiteracy rates, and complete, complete, complete dysfunction at the Newark 
district school district. I mean, so much so that it was so corrupt that, you know, the you know Cory Booker, the last mayor who left town, booked town to be a U.S. senator, he was uh, the only one in 50 years to not be convicted of some type of corruption. But anyway, the state of New Jersey had to basically manage the Newark public school system. And lo and behold, Cory Booker taps, you know, the Governor Christie. He goes, hey, man, you know, you're you're Republican. I'm a Democrat. You know, I'm a believer in charter schools. I'm a believer in school choice. I'm a really go, go, go kind of guy. Smart man, highly educated, football star in New Jersey as a kid. And went on to, you know, the Ivy League and got an education. And everybody thought he was probably going to be the first African-American president. <laughs> How about that? But, you know, the Manchurian candidate Barack Obama stole that show. Anyway, they somehow uh, understood that uh, it's time for philanthropy to come in and sweep us off our feet, lead us to the promised land, and fix the public school system. That's what everybody thought. But guess what? Everybody thought that this could happen in cooperation with statists. Well, you know what statists do. They enlarge things. They create consensus. They start uh, holding public forums, meetings, whether they're attended or not, is irregardless of the headlines. They get the media on their side. All this stuff sounds really fantastic, doesn't it? Well, chances are it's a bunch of liberals running around talking to each other, and they'll sprinkle a couple conservatives in there to give it that uh, bipartisan feel. The truth of the matter is, it's a disaster. And as a disaster, uh, I like to tell you who gets caught up in its web. Another liberal. His name is Mr. Zuckerberg, Steve Zuckerberg of Facebook. And he is uh, <clears throat> enamored by this Cory Booker. And of course, uh, he figures, you know, let's bring uh, Chris Christie in for the ride. Let's believe in them. And he parks $100 million of a billion dollars he was slated to donate to public education in this country. So the first $100 million goes out the door. It's pledged to none other than the Newark district school system. Now, you would think, oh, my God, they announced it on Oprah Winfrey. You can imagine other people have pitched in with another $5 million here, $3 million there, $2.5 million there. Some really bright people, probably... Very well intended. I mean, they, they enjoy the publicity. They have a lot of wealth. And you can't knock people for donating money. Philanthropy is a beautiful thing. It makes us the greatest country in the world. I mean, last year alone, or I should say this year, because we've got about you know 15 hours left of this year, 2014, Americans donated $260 billion a year this year. That's not bad. Considering that the world's in disarray, considering there's a lot of unstable uh, financial conditions, Americans still donate, and they give their money away. That's what makes us rich, not how much money we have, is how much we're willing to share with others. Kind of like uh, the true uh, expression of tithe in the Judeo-Christian sense of the word. You are to be rich. The Lord wants you to be rich. But he also wants you to... Give away your excess, what you don't need, after you're rich. That also means symbolically, you know, rich at heart, rich of mind, rich of, of family, rich of 
love for him. So sure, why you know liberals would have been able to use those words of the Lord and the words of Jesus Christ to somehow reinterpret that, reinvent that into government giving to the poor, that we should collectively give to the poor to some kind of government entity. Entity, It's beyond me, but it's been able to work. It's just the government problem. That's the problem I have, the government problem. Not the intent, but just us being too lazy as people to allow the government to do these things. We should do these things at a time when we have an obligation to do these things. Yeah, we, there's a lot of infrastructure that the government uh, makes for us that are valuable. Highway systems, streets, some sense of law and order, even though it doesn't seem to be really true, but a sense of law and order, and a sense of uh, you know court system to, to basically negotiate with our debtors to get our money, basically. So back to uh, Newark School District. And somehow I'm going to join this with or uh, combine this in some way or form with de Blasio. Because i just seen this real mediocrity, this malaise that's so consistent. And, you know, they're only a river apart, you know. New Jersey, New York City, I mean, you know, it's the same smell, it's the same shit, just a different smell. Anyway, at the, at the onset of this donation, the first thing they did was elicit consultants. Oh, consultant. And they were the most prominent consultants in town. There's this a company called uh, Tusk Strategies. They got 1.3 million. And there's uh, Global Educational Advisors. They got 2.3 million. All told, these consultants got like 20 million of the 100 million Steve put up. Now, Steve, of course, wasn't uh, dumb enough to just say, oh, all right, here's 100 million, run with it. No, he. there were certain benchmarks that had to be met. Well, apparently these people duped the officers of the Zuckerberg uh, Foundation to, uh, you know, pony up. And what better way to pony up and then to get the ball rolling to pay a bunch of consultants to talk a lot of garbage, a lot of uh, and the great forest groups, uh, hot air balloon, you know, those famous uh, trial balloons, case studies. Some of these meetings uh, were just you know, yelling matches of opposition groups, uh, you know, in the neighborhood, uh, screaming and yelling, you know, you know, white colonization again of the black people by segregating their schools. And, and uh, you know, these are people that are suffering such Ill, Ill will that they themselves don't have the answers, but they think anybody who does that are not of the same race as them, I ah, must be up to something. They're trying to profit off them. Well, there's parts of Newark that uh, became newly developed and, you know, old buildings became new buildings and uh, some of it was part of the city center's core, civic centers and stuff like that and new shopping centers. And, yeah, blacks were basically uh, you know, vacated from their properties. You know, most of them were renters. It wasn't like they eminent domain them right out of there. But they ended up in this place called the South Ward where a lot of these schools these really, really poor performing schools exist. So everybody joined the teams, uh, Cory Booker being the leader, Christy uh, now appointing people 
left and right for these positions. He he himself has got an eye on the White House, so I can imagine the the Bridgegate fiasco probably distracts him from this particular endeavor in Newark. But the court appointed him as guardian of the district, and that is is not an honor, but it's a it's a responsibility. So he had to keep an eye on Corey. And what did Corey do? Boy, he was going everywhere. He was on MSNBC. Of course, he was already on Oprah. He was attending all kinds of uh, publicity uh, speeches nationwide. He was basically called out of town. He could always say that he was trying to bring money back to Newark. He, you know, politicians always have an excuse to do a lot of things. But his eye was off the ball. Uh, today, he's a U.S. senator. He's moved on to greener pastures. He was replaced in the special election. He was replaced Lautenberg, who had passed away, longtime New Jersey senator. So his, uh, his star is still shining bright. Nobody's being held accountable. At the end of the game, at the end of the story, at the end of the chess match, an activist in New Jersey said it best. The New York school system is like a candy store as a front for a gambling operation. As soon as adversity appears or a threat, it becomes, everybody becomes candy store salesmen. As soon as a threat dissipates or leaves, they, be, they go right back to gambling. And that pretty much says it all. That's why here at Blink Radio, we support a movement called the Fiscals Movement. They're calling for the Governing School Act to be passed in all 50 states. They're trying to pass it here in Florida. And it all started here in my hometown in Vietnam, Key Biscayne. The Governing School Act basically just uh, is very elementary. It converts a three-letter word to a two-letter word in the existing law. Parent trigger law in Florida is the only ballot-based parent trigger law. No other state has direct ballot. Call the vote the American way. Unfortunately, the proponents who propose or call the force the vote call the vote, have to win two elections. They have to win a teacher's election, separate, different ballot box, and the parent election, different ballot box. In the case of Key Biscayne, it went terribly wrong, as the teachers voted 83 nothing in the union block against the conversion to charter, which is trying to be renamed. This group wants to rename it the Governing School Act as to eliminate the word charter, because charter implies profit and it implies these uh, developers who buy land, build buildings, and hedge their bets on the governing school of parents um, as, you know, who apply, who apply for a charter, which is basically a covenant on what they believe the business model will be for the new school. Well, charters banded around. It's, uh, it's been around for a long time. But it's, a, it's a, basically an educational model that's very slow in developing. The whole system is very slow because... You have to market uh, to disenfranchised parents in district schools, have them leave their schools, wait the whole school year, enter your school. Meanwhile, you've got to buy land, get construction financing for the buildings, tell the governing school board of parents what they can and cannot expect based on the money that's going to come from the state to fund the the school itself. In essence, the relationship becomes landlord-tenant. The governing school board of parents cannot profit in any way. They're volunteers on a school board of their own making for a particular school. And the 
the the charter developer basically charge them rent. So you're in a situation where there, the dynamics change, you know what I mean? You're not really in the control of your own destiny from the standpoint that the developer tells you if you can afford violin classes or a band. Because, you know, these require particular chairs for ch- children to sit in. I mean, the violin alone, you can imagine, the armrest has to be to the left or to the right depending on left-handed or right-handed student holding a violin. They need to put their elbow somewhere as they hold the violin for long sessions of uh, schooling, long practice sessions. So that's just an example of, you know, if you have a computer class, you got to pay for a computer. What type of computer? Media type computer or regular computer? You know, these things cost money. And these are the excuses given in the district level when the government misspends the money. They all say the same thing. Everybody says the same thing. It's the truth. Public schooling and schooling in general is very expensive. I mean, the the amount of hard assets that have to be acquired from books, pencils, paper, to the real hard assets, which is uh, chairs, chalkboards, whiteboards, projectors. These things cost money. So the answer can only be what what it always has to be, which is chop it up, make it manageable, make it parochial, make it, make local auspice be the the inspector general, per se, the one who keeps an eye on it, who's best to keep an eye on it? The folk, you know, the people. They know if their school's failing or not. <clears throat> they know way, way before the government is willing to acknowledge it. It's a shame that generations go by in failing schools, and only the cream of the crop, the really intelligent ones with really stable homes, can overcome these things and get an education so that they, the system can say, look, look at these great people who have graduated from the public school system. It's not all that bad. Well, what about the millions of people who are completely intellectually brain dead, can't afford uh, a lifestyle, can't do anything other than maybe drive a truck or work construction or do whatever they can physically because their minds are just not there. They don't have the aptitude to, to apply it to really uh, uh, higher-paying jobs. That, you know, I don't want to just ramble, 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 ramble. I'll be back in about uh, a second after a word from our sponsors, but you're listening to Blink Radio, WSQF. Back in a moment. If you like our programming on WSQF 94.5 in Key Biscayne, you can also hear us very far away nationwide, WSQFradio.com. And if you like our audio files and our subject matter, subscribe to YouTube Mac on the Rock Rampage. Take care and stay free. (laughs) 